Welcome to Caritas Christi, a real and raw podcast with real women and real faith, where we apply the feminine genius to look at the current events of this world, our faith lives, and other things that are relevant to young Catholic women today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thursday. This is Mary. And this is Hannah. Um, and we are glad to come to you and actually be recording. So here we go again. Take two. <laughs> Humbling, well. but you know what? <laughs> We're just going to go for it. It's probably going to be better this time. I guess not as raw, but I don't know. I think sometimes, I don't know. Anyways, God's providence, right? So we're going to start with some prayer and our little inspiration, and then we're going to go from there. Um, sorry. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Santa Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc in automatis nostrae. Amen. Mama Mary, we give this podcast to you. We just totally consecrate it into your hands and protect us um, because we are trying to bring the love of Christ into the world. And so um, let um, nothing come against us that... Um, just, just protect us so that we can continue to give our fiat as you did um, and really just bring Christ in the world. Um, and out of love of Christ, I'm just going to pray anima, this Anima Christi. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O oh, good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe, defend me. At the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And our inspiration for today comes from St. Augustine's Confessions. If you're using the Word on Fire version, it'll be on the end of page 372 and the beginning of 373. The moon and stars shine by night, but night does not darken them. Rather, they give it light so far as, in it, as it can be lightened. It is as though when God said, let there be lights made in the firmament of heaven, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind coming, and there appeared parted tongues, as it were, of fire, which sat upon every one of them. And they became lights in the firmament of heaven, having the word of life. Run over the world, holy fires, glorious fires, for you are the light of the world, and you are not under a bushel. He is raised on high, to whom you've... You have adhered, and he has raised you on high. Go forth and be known to all nations. Um, I just think that's really beautiful, um, just because um, we are here to witness the love of Christ, um, to encourage you to witness to that. And you know, I was just thinking about fire. I think it's it's not about um, it's about like refiner's fire. Um, and that we have been loved in our weakest spots and in our brokenness. And so to share that out in the world, um, it's not from a place of like, we've got it together at all. It's from a place of um, just humble gratitude. Um, uh, so just to encourage you and your witness. Uh, so Hannah, what were we drinking? Gosh, you, you're still drinking. What's yes. Drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I drink very slowly. But yeah, we are balling out of budget, so we had some Aldi watermelon wine mm. on hand. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I will yeah. admit I um, was a little hesitant because I have to run later, and then you poured it, and I was like, mm, a couple sips won't hurt, <laughs> especially for today's conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the rumor is that I eat weird stuff. So just a quick snapshot: um, I had uh, <laughs> because I'm supposed to run later, and I didn't want to have a heavy dinner later after before I go to bed, so I had some, um, just recently I had, I, I got two rice cakes and I uh, put some provolone cheese on both of them and uh, some chicken and then I put some barbecue sauce and ketchup and mustard and I warmed it up and uh, you know, it was yummy and tasty. So some may say I need some hot sauce on there, but I, I think it was just fine just the way it is. Um, and you know, um, folks, this is definitely, um, uh, you know, we, we want to come and be real. And so there's a lot of stuff going on, but just to remind you, um, in the midst of all this, I was driving, um, to be, uh, come record this podcast and I was just struck with, um, it's just a beautiful day. The sun is out and, um, 
I, I, I had seen a really pretty house and I was like, noted, maybe that would be a beautiful house one day or t type of house to look for. Um, and then just the, the smell of the fields and, the, and just the farm life and just, just, it's just, everything is just living and thriving and despite everything and God is still good and God is still here. So, um, you know, if, if you're struggling, you know, just remember, um, God is still here. So, you know, I'm just, um, yeah, take a, take a look outside and, um, yeah, um, God is not too far away. Um, he's in the stars and the sun, the moon and all, and he's inside of you. So, um, with that further ado, let's get into it. Um, so, uh, Hannah, um, it's interesting because right after we recorded, uh, <laughs> or not right after, but you said, oh, we'll have to talk about um, Cuba next week. And then I honestly kind of forgot about that because then so much has already happened. So we're just going to get into it, right? Definitely. All right. So what's the deal? All right. We're going to start with Cuba because that was what I really wanted to talk about before everything started happening. So we're still going to give it some airtime. So in Cuba... Depending on the source that you might have seen, some people are saying, oh, they're protesting because they don't have enough access to COVID-19 vaccines and not enough access to COVID-19 treatments. Fact check, false. It's because the communism in Cuba, uh, the socialism that has turned into communism, has taken over so much that it's gone to the usual end of communism socialism those both of both of those ends usually mean that there is a limited corrupt elite and then everybody else is starving and suffering while the elite live their cushy lives and whatever um whatever houses or mansions that they have so what's happening is that people are rising up they're saying that they're tired of it they want freedom they want something better for themselves because I've heard from people who have relatives in Cuba that they've lost pets and it turns out that their neighbors are eating their pets because everybody is starving and it's just really heartbreaking to see that situation going on but it's not because of COVID vaccines people are protesting and waving American flags which all over the world is a sign for the desire for freedom and a sign for people who are against communism and socialism to rally behind, not just in Cuba, but also in Taiwan. So it's a funny headline that I saw, not really funny because it's based here, was that the people of Cuba were chanting freedom and other anti-government slogans. And it was like, Ah, okay, I see, I see the Freudian slip here. Very nice. So yeah, that's basically what's going on in Cuba. Yeah, um, so I, I think, you know, I guess we just want to call out to pray for um, what's going on in Cuba. I do know, um, they, I don't know how recently it was, like Cuba got access to the internet, um, but with the, with all the protests that are going on, um, the, the government has shut it down. And so I know, um, Governor um, DeSantis has called for um, the internet being returned because this was giving them power. The, you know, they were giving, getting, they had access to social media and the internet so they could get the message out of their protest um, for freedom. Um, so, uh, you know, that was, I guess, one way that we helped. Um, but I think it's just kind of a warning sign because, as you said, it's the end of socialism. Um, is this communism and you know um, it's easy to think like look at Cuba you could look at Venezuela and look at you know the Soviet Union and it, it couldn't happen here right um, but I think we, you can easily look at our country and say um, I was listening to uh, Candace Owens and she was saying that you know there's different ways and so obviously in Cuba it was from you know started as socialism and became you know into communism and it was kind of a government level kind of progression but here in America it's kind of come from the bottom up which is just kind of it's just more it's tentacles are more in our society um and it's in our schools we were talking about education and how um you know it, it really is a atheistic kind of um political system where it's you know it takes God out of the equation it takes the family out um so it says you parents don't know what's best for your children so we're going to educate them um but it's really to make them become you know factory workers so they can uh, be perfect little workers for this for um 
for the you know for their govern for the government and for the big people. Um, we see in our entertainment, and there's just like no. Um, but yeah, we just see it's it's coming into our society, and so it's really trying to be aware of that and to fight against that. Um, you know, you even see it with the whole um, critical race theory and teaching your children falsehoods about. Um, what's going on with that, as well as the transgender movement. Um, there was even a, a gay choir in California that was um, saying, we're coming for your children, and you know we're gonna um, talk behind your backs to these children about this trans transgender agenda. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, here, it's already here, folks. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, we're fighting battles in, in the church, and I think we're, this is a battle that, um, and I even heard it said, you know, the left is really all about death. You know, it's, it's I mean, it's starving people. Um, it's a big proponent of abortion. Um, it's just death, death, death all around, death of freedom. Um, so it's, it's you know, the, a culture of life versus, versus culture of death. Um, and we're going to talk about the pro-life movement here soon, but I think um, one thing to think of is it's not just, it's, it's um, the culture of life is, is every part of life. It's the way of, everybody has a dignity of, you know, human dignity, um, and they also have, what was it saying about work? What, what did you say in the, in the, there's one of the sins. Oh, yes, one of the yeah. sins that cries out to heaven for vengeance is defrauding the laborer of his wages. So you can take that in whatever direction you want. You could take it as, well, don't be an extreme neo-capitalist where you benefit and profit off the backs of people who are working for you, but you also want, don't want to take it to an entirely communistic aspect where it's like you don't own the products of your own labor or you don't get to fully enjoy the fruits of your own labor. So defrauding the labor of his wages is one of the seven sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And there are six others, obviously. But this, I think, is one that we tend to ignore. And definitely thinking back on that and just acknowledging that going forward will help us in the fight against communism. Because we're not necessarily saying, as far as an economic setup goes, that capitalism is perfect because it's definitely not. And especially when you remove it from any kind of moral framework, which is sort of what's happening, it becomes, well, pretty disgusting. There's a lot of degenerate things going on that are funded by capitalistic ventures. And it's everything, it seems like everything's being commodified. And the old, one of the reasons why that's happening is because there's no moral framework in place to stop it. So, yeah, <laughs> that, that's my little hill to die on right there. <laughs> yeah, um, and so you're you're probably thinking, okay, um, what does this have to do with me? I, you know, some of you are, and you might mainly we're trying to talk to young women, so you know, you're like, well, I'm not a politician. Um, and, you know, as we said before, um, you know, I've actually heard it recently that said women shouldn't really talk about, about politics because we really don't have the knowledge to talk about it. But it's really, you know, we, we're, we're not just some guy, we're some girls. <laughs> but we, we, we're talking it from our feminine genius of, um, you know, we're already living in the vocation of spiritual motherhood and caring for the person and we see how it affects the person. So very, at the very least, you know, um, even in our education system here, um, I mean, there's just... I mean, depending on what system you're in, it's, it really is. It's, it's going behind your back, taking you, uh, or it's taking the parent out of the equation, um, and it's really just teaching kids stuff that is not good. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of people say, you know, well, I can't afford to, you know, pull my kids out of the public school, like, you know, we're working, or we can't afford to send them to their private schools. And yes, there's there's a lot of you know, discussion on that, but, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you're Catholic or Christian, um, it's really, like, I mean, honestly, like, it goes so far to say that your, your child's soul is at, is at risk, um, uh, so, um, you know, because we have the Common Core and whatnot, it's just, um, so you, what can you do where you're at in your stage of life? Um, and I think that's obviously um, just being mindful and just praying and, um, you know, being supportive. Um, if you have family members that have, um, 
you know, children being aware to be like, hey, you know, just giving them suggestions and pointing them away from the public schooling system because if we can pull the tax dollars out of there. Um, as well, you know, um, if you are, you know, single and you would like to be married one day, putting yourself in a position that you could really be 100% mom and being able to, ed to educate your children. So I know for myself, um, it's trying to pay off the student loans as fast as possible. Um, you know, so I'm building up this business so I could even have passive income. So if I still need to pay off my debt, I can. Um, and so I can just concentrate on educating my children and being 100% there for them. Um, and, you know, you're like, well, but maybe I'm feeling called to religious life and consecrated life. Oh, gosh, that is so beautiful. Um, and, you know, really thinking, you know, I mean, that really used to be the, the relig religious life used to be the backbone of our um, our religious education here in America. So um, we really implore you to maybe discern, you know, that would be really beautiful if we could <laughs> grow those, if we could grow those religious orders, um, that could be a big part of fighting back. Um, so there's always different ways to go at it. And so, um, yeah, just, I think Cuba is just a warning sign for America that, um, you know, communism is here in America and it's, and it's not just, it, it's a political system, but it's a political system that goes down and affects everybody and I mean it's not even how do you say it's not something that Catholics can even be a part of or participate yeah, it's been condemned multiple times <laughs> so not even any aspect too because I know there's been just in general as an ideology it's been condemned yes yeah, all the way I mean all the way down all the way down all the way down yeah and also if you're looking to just be active more in the com your community um, your tax dollars still, for the most part, do go to public schools, whether your kids go there or not. It depends on your state, whether they allow for a certain school choice legislation. legislation. Um, I know in our state right now, we have a bill that says if your school is considered failing by the state, then like the district that you would normally live in, if there's a school that's considered failing, has an F on the state report card, you can get a certain amount of scholarship money to send your kid somewhere else. Now, it doesn't work that way always, but I definitely think that overall across the board, we should definitely be looking to improve school choice avenues because that's the really the only way that we can dismantle the public education system, and I think it should be dismantled. Um, but the only way that we can do that is to ensure that we are able to pull funds out of schools so that they can go die, really. I mean, if, if people are pulling their kids out of the public schools and the s schools are losing, losing students and they're losing the money, that is going to be a huge ex incentive for them to examine why is this happening? Why are people pulling them out? And you definitely don't have to send your kids back ever pulling them out. Um, this is just a way that you could, in a capitalist society, make sure that your money works to bring across the point that you want it to. But first to do that, you have to make sure that you're looking to support senators and other people who are running for office that support expanding school choice because that's a very important issue if you want to continue your freedom to choose the appropriate education for your child and also the freedom to determine that hey public schools you're not entitled to my money or my kid and i can take either of them wherever i want i think that's very um very important and it's actually important too because a lot of people will be talking about under uh, people who are underserved or underrepresented, people who really might not get a chance because their public schools where they live are so under, maybe underfunded, maybe they're just underserved in general. The, if we had choices to send our kids not only to the school within our district, but a school where they can get a proper education, the one the kind of education that we would want, then we can make better schools and eliminate the failing schools entirely mm -hmm. but it all starts with getting that school choice so that we can funnel students and money to the schools mm -hmm. that will serve them best and 
hopefully not teach them critical race theory or that they have to respect people's pronouns even, even when they deny reality. You know, mm -hmm. just a thought. Yeah, and even also just like a, also warning or caution of word of warning, word of caution. Um, it's not just to um, even the private Catholic schools. You really do have to be careful. I mean, I. A lot of them are, the, you know, the Common Core is a part of their curriculum, and it's basically um, a public school, but just with an hour of religion every day, and um, who knows how well that's being taught. Um, so it's also, you know, um, you know, and I, know, I know in our area, there's a lot of um, really beautiful young adult communities, so I pray that that's wherever you're at. Um, but I know a lot of them are raising their kids together, so they support each other um, in their decision to homeschool and, and just whatnot. But also, you know, there's a lot of co-ops with people that are working together to teach each, you know, teach their children. Um, and then there's also a movement of um, a lot of return to the um, classical way of teaching, the Catholic liberal arts education. So um, looking for that in your area to support. And, and even if you're like, well, I don't even have any kids, maybe it's trying to... Um, they actually started all over the country. They're different. Um, it's a, basically a model and a curriculum, and it's a way to really um, uh, further this model of education, um, but really trying to support that so that maybe one day when you have children at that age, they could go to that high school or um, that grade school. Um, so it really is. It, it's thinking outside the box, but it's so worth it because um, at the end of the day, we are in a battle. Um, and so kind of going on that, you know, the culture of life versus culture of death, our, our um, next conversation kind of goes along that way with some more of the current events. So, um, Hannah. Yes, on. so this actually happened today. Uh, thank you, Lewis, for calling my attention to this. Uh, Governor Abbott in Texas signed a, what was called a trigger bill so that whenever, hopefully, very soon, Roe v. Wade is overturned. That bill will immediately go into effect, making abortion illegal, imposing hefty fines on those who seek or perform abortions right after that. So it's a it's another action in place that just kind of ensures that hopefully whenever we get something to overturn that. Now, Texas actually has Governor Abbott also signed a heartbeat bill. I think it's after six weeks. Um, the baby can no longer be aborted. I mean, should never be, but because of Roe v. Wade not being overturned, the states have a limited amount of power in their ability to uh, limit abortions. So what he did was he in instituted the heartbeat bill, and then this other bill, the trigger bill, went into effect, and it's just going to immediately kick in once Roe v. Wade would be overturned. So that's pretty cool. When Roe v. Wade is turned overturned, then basically abortion is like restricted in that state. Yes. That yeah. So because once if Roe v. Wade got overturned, then it would filter down to the states, and they would have to make their own decisions on abortion restrictions mm -hmm. because of federalism. Yay! Mm -hmm. We love it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it should be illegal across the board. We can, yeah, we'll, we'll save that argument for another time. But yeah, basically, he signed a trigger bill just to make sure and give it another layer of protection hopefully when Roe v. Wade is overturned. So that's some good news for your day. Yeah, it's exciting because um, I know also here in Ohio they are trying to get a trigger bill in place as well. Um, you kind of think um, kind of like what good is that? But I think, you know, um, you know, I've been involved in the public movement since I was in eighth grade. Um, and it's, it's a, I mean, it's a worthy call, cause. It's such, I mean, it's one of the most worthy causes ever. Um, but you kind of get used to, like, this is such a big mountain, like, are we ever, are we ever, I mean, Roe v. Wade is part of the Constitution, are we ever going to overturn it? Um, and so you kind of think, like, you know, kind of like, I don't know, what is the use, but I definitely think within the past couple of years, we've definitely been pushing the back the tide, and I just think what the pro-life movement has learned is, I mean, it's, obviously, we have all the pregnancy care centers throughout the whole country, and we have a movement for that, and really caring for the mother, uh, but then also these, these different bills that are just incrementally pushing back against abortion, um, one move at a time, and so, um, yeah, I think it's it's really exciting to just see what strides have been made. Um, and, you know, some of these bills have been turned down in different states, but it's just, 
that one more move, that one more, that one more law. And I think it's impressive that people are, are politicians. So really go out and support the politicians that are really trying to um, really uh, fight for, for life and for the sacredness of life. And also like being pro-life without, without exceptions, you know, because um, that is important as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what can you do again? Reach out to your politicians and support them and, and uh, encourage them to continue. Um, but also getting involved in the local, you know, praying at the abortion facilities. Obviously, <laughs> with people in tow, you know, it, it can be a little, um, they're generally in dicey areas. That's definitely intentionally planned. Um, so making sure that you go with people and, and peacefully pray. And even, you know, if you if you can't get to there, I know I, I'm not often able to go. So just, you know, I'm praying for the protection of the unborn um, and, you know, supporting your local um, you know, uh, local pro-life office as well as the pregnancy care centers um, and I think it's just it starts with how you treat every person um, and treating every per person with respect and dignity um, that they are made in the image and likeness of God um, yeah so I think and, and, and it's also um, you know I've kind of kind of close to home where it's sometimes there are the cases of single mothers and it's easy to be like you know, but it, it really, it starts with, you know, there's a lot of accusations that, oh, you're only pro the onboard, you're not pro the mother and the child, and it's like, <laughs> you know, but it really, you know, it takes that being courageous and being able to really be there to serve them, um, so, um, yeah, one day, hopefully, they'll be able to push that back, that abortion law, so, um, yeah, it will no longer be, and I, I like how, um, uh, Abby Johnson, no matter what people think or think of her, she always says, not even making it illegal, but making it unthinkable. Yeah. You know, that's the movement of um, Lila Rose is, you know, she's doing a lot of work in um, undermining unplanned, unplanned parenthood, but also what actually abortion is. And they're going on college campuses and showing the different depictions of what abortion is. And people <laughs> ultimately come to life after seeing that because they're like the reality of it mm -hmm. um, is undeniable. Um, so yeah, any closing thoughts on this com on this segment, Hannah? Or? Well, I just want to backtrack to what you said because you said it was enshrined in the Constitution that abortion is like in the Constitution. Well, it's part of. Wasn't it amended? No, 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 definitely not. That's what okay. Joe Biden wants. <laughs> That's what he wants. Oh, he wants it to be enshrined in the Constitution okay. so that we can't walk it back. That so there is really, I mean, in the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Every, every, every man has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So technically, from the founding documents of our country, we're going against that by allowing abortion to be legal. And so that's, that was the, that's the main argument in Roe v. Wade, is that it's not a life, therefore uh, it doesn't matter whether you kill it, which is very, very silly and, and actually anti-science. But that is actually why we can overturn it, because it's not a part of the Constitution. It was just a Supreme Court ruling that then filtered down to the states that can somewhat do what they want with it and somewhat can't. And, yeah, so it's not in the Constitution. What Joe Biden wants to do is he wants to enshrine it in the Constitution so that it can't be walked back ever. I, I haven't really seen somebody that committed to killing babies in a long time and it makes me very mad mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah just some clarity on that mm -hmm. yeah and i think we actually i kind of like what you're saying Anna, because sometimes i don't know being pro-life can be such a like um you know it's 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 a good thing to do but it's it's like an important thing to do because it's it is a child like mm -hmm. i think sometimes you can be desensitized if you're involved in it enough um but you know, it's it's not even just the child; it's the mother that's affected. It's it's just the whole entire thing. It's it's literally. It, I mean, as we said earlier, it's it's death, um, and so it's really destructing the family yeah. um, and future generations. So mm -hmm. um, I know it's always sad to think, you know, who who like you know they've always said like who is who is not in our classrooms due to you know a lot of, I mean, obviously you were. Uh, homeschooled, but um, mm -hmm. in my classrooms, you know, it was like just trying to think, like, who is not in this classroom because they were avoided. Yeah. Um, and obviously, God is God is bigger, and you know, He is in His providence. Um, uh, you know, that's a longer kind of thought, but yeah. Um, so yeah, just um, continue prayers to fight against the um, 
the, you know, the things that want to come against what is good and beautiful and, and right. So coming against the sacredness of life um, and just subsidiarity, um, the beauty, you know, just fighting against communism and the atheism and just what is there, um, just uh, pushing back against that. Uh, because especially here in America, we have the gift of living in the land of the free. Um, and it, it's so sad that here in America, there's such a lack of love for the flag. Um, but I mean, I know there's still true patriots out there. Um, so, um, yeah, for God and for country, right? Yeah. So may we continue to um, raise up our country. So, and, and to you uh, young ladies out there, it says, you know, um, how a society goes is how, um, what is it determined by the level of of how the women yeah the society is determined by the quality of its women yeah Yeah. so i really want to implore you um it really hit me working with my high school girls that um it really starts with you know i I mean i i realized with myself i don't understand my identity as a daughter of god um and i have this orphan identity and it really starts with knowing your worth and not allowing yourself to be treated any less um, and then even knowing if you make mistakes that the good God is always there. He's the prodigal, he's the father in the prodigal son story, um, always having his arms stretched out and ready to welcome you back. Um, so just really, I implore you uh, to really look at that and um, be courageous to look, work, work at the, where you are, um, where you're hurting and um, trying to, um, yeah, move from that orphan identity to that daughter identity um, as a daughter of Christ, um, that you are so loved and um, beautiful beyond a doubt. So you are the crown of creation. So um, we were made last. So <laughs> you're the most perfect, you know, creation. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Some men probably would be like, okay. <laughs> you misandrist. <laughs> No, but it's true. We were we were made we were made last. Yes. So, um, but anyways, okay. But we are also made partially out of man's rib, so we don't want to like <laughs> say oh, we're better than men. We're not better. Yeah. We're just uh, <laughs> yeah. we, out of the, we're the mystery here. out of the man's side, not to be trampled by him, mm-hmm. and not not from his head to rule over him, but from his side to be mm-hmm. to be cared for and to be loved. And I just, like, closing, like, one last closing thought. I know we had said closing thought earlier, which is a segment. Um, but just to be aware, like, you're like, why do I need to worry about this? This is kind of depressing. And I think um, I was a humanities major, and we studied about political philosophy. And it was, it was depressing to uh, read about, about um, socialism and communism and all the d- other different um, philosophies that have, have such, had such a negative effect on where we're at today, but it's really important to be aware so you know what's going on, so you can fight against it, so you cannot be, um, you know, because it, it's in us as well that, you know, modernism has, you know, dare we say, has been, you know, infiltrated because we're all, um, yeah, so just to be aware, so, um, and not to be scared because God is good, so. All right, so on to our hot type take, whoa. On to our hot take. Not, not hot take. That would be hot uh, take. <laughs> hot take. Right, y'all, this is really y'all here. Raw. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, um, Hannah. Yes. Take, take it from here. Okay. Well, this weekend there was all kinds of dumpster fireness on Twitter, as usual, but even more so than usual, and we'll be getting to the first reason for the dumpster fire on Catholic Twitter in a little bit, but there was also a, there was the Turning Point USA conference, uh, which is geared toward young people, specifically high school age people, so like the majority of the people in attendance were 15 to 16 years old, so minors, okay, and there was a porn star who was banned from Turning Point USA conference. She was using her her like her stage name and she was trying to make waves there as a quote conservative porn star. And people rightfully did not like this. Uh, she was kicked out of the conference and then proceeded to get angry and say, I thought conservatism was for everyone, blah blah blah, the usual 
well, you're canceling people just like the left. Here's the thing. The canceling, so-called, was not for something that she did when she was 15 and wasn't thinking and just said something said something dumb online and then deleted it and then moved on. This is because she was actively promoting the adult, not even adult, it's not even adult industry. If you watch it, you're not an adult, sorry. <laughs> um, so it, she's in the industry that has, that has really promoted the degrading of women, promoted sexual assault and rape rather overtly or covertly, and she's in that industry trying to say she's a conservative. Real conservatives know that there is no place for any kind of porn star at any kind of conference saying they're conservative because if you say you're conservative and you're a porn star, whatever, what are you conserving? For real. you just conserving the red, white, and blue. That's dumb, okay? You need to have a actual form of moral substance behind what you're standing for. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And so she was trying to say, I thought conservatism was for was for everybody. Well, yeah, you can join us. Just quit your job. <laughs> like, quit your job, repent, repent of that, because... Especially on Pornhub, there are many, many, many lawsuits in which there are girls who were trafficked and kidnapped and their abuse was filmed and then put on Pornhub. And then it's not being taken down because the company's making money off of it. And that kind of goes back to our, to our point of capitalism without any kind of moral standard. This is where it leads. So we're not just conserving Capitalism. We're conserving a moral framework, and that's what needs to be promoted. We're conserving moral framework. We're conser conserving the natural law. There is nothing natural about watching people having sex on your laptop. I'm sorry. There's your hot take. Ban porn. The end. <laughs> and just kind of like a, um, not just an aside, but on top of that, I think... We can't turn an eye anymore to the fact that, um, you know, there's been a big push, um, go Tim Tebow for fighting against human trafficking, and it's an undeniable connection. Um, and it's not just, not just, but not only is it people that are being human trafficked, but um, it's, that are being trafficked, but it's also children, very young children, all over the country, all over the globe. And actually, I was just watching, um, Underground Railroad, um, I, you know, I don't know, I've, I've, they seem a pretty good organization, I'm not endorsing them or whatnot, but um, they're fighting, they're actually going out and they're actually um, trying to take it down, they're trying to rescue people and children from, from the human trafficking, um, and they said the biggest, the biggest consumers of all this, I don't know if you guessed it, but it's Americans. Yep. You know, I mean, internationally and here, um, people are being trafficked. Um, young girls, young young people are being trafficked. Um, and it's just, it's gross. Definitely. <laughs> it, it is, it's just, it's just, um, it's just, yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who struggle with pornography as like a, as a struggle, as a sin, and they, they, a lot of times through no fault of their own, they were given a device with unlimited access to the internet, maybe stumbled upon something, and that's that's horribly evil that it happens to so many people. The average age that a child actually sees porn is down to 10 or 11 now. That's just... Oh, younger with smartphones. Well, yeah, that's, it, it just keeps going down. Yeah. But um, because of that, there's just a rampant epidemic, really, of porn addiction and it's really hurting our youth so much not just because they're being ex exploited in one way or trafficked even if they're not being trafficked they're being exploited by seeing seeing this and then some have years of battling this addiction and battling this um, sexual sin and it's not to say that you're less worthy because of your your battles with this but just know that anybody who tries to defend 
that this is right or that this is something that should be enshrined that we should have as one of our quote liberties i'm sure that the people who battle this definitely know that <laughs> it should not be enshrined it should not be battled for it is not worth it mm -hmm. so that is one of the reasons why i have <laughs> such a strong stance on it is because i know that it hurts and damages people so badly and leaves them just despairing of like will i ever be able to have a normal relationship will i ever be able to you know uh, just look at a woman and not reduce her to her looks and it's just hurt so many people so that is why i want it gone <laughs> and i think it's easy to be desensitized because it's like our, our culture has just become so sexualized mm -hmm. um, but that i think that's where really, i mean we need to even start with ourselves of you know what are we consuming and really purifying our minds and um if you are caught in this addiction just know that um you know god's mercy is greater for the you know for the sinner with you know with greater sin so um you know he's right there as we said the prodigal father um and also we would like to say um and actually matt Brad just had this on his show but it's not just men it's also women yeah and actually that's like the lesser you know so um you know actually really go check out that that whole she just had a woman on talking about struggles um mm -hmm. and, because he fights against the porn addiction and so um yeah and there's a lot of great resources so um you know maybe we'll put those some of those in, links in the show notes or whatnot or you can definitely check out Python Aquinas and, and all that the work that Matt Fred does but we'll try and link to some of that in the in the show notes but um yeah um yeah, I'll have a link to uh, Strive 21 in the show notes, and I'll has also have a link to Covenant Eyes. Those are two really good programs. Uh, Strive 21 is more geared towards men. It's a 21-day de detox from porn. And then Covenant Eyes is a software that I think you can install on your phone, your, your laptop, any kind of device that you have that will block your access to certain websites. You'll get an accountab accountability partner in on it with you so like a trusted friend or somebody else who you really want to have the control over looking through your journey and making sure that you're being held accountable so the those two things i think will definitely help any of our listeners who want to look more into how they can battle this yeah and these also to just really take it seriously you know the the, the devices um you know especially if you have young children at home i mean <laughs> being so careful because i mean even through social media children are being human trafficked on there are being trafficked as well mm -hmm. so it's not just you know pornography itself that's awful but then your children can be exploited just i mean it, uh i um this guy from underground Rainbow was saying with with covid and you know kids are on their phones you know their their devices more because of school bringing school virtually um and their parents are busy and not as home as much they weren't able to um and so it just that was <laughs> i mean that was perfect for for the um for the human trafficking industry um so Gosh, I, it just even sickens me just to think about just how awful this is. So um, I know we like to speak light into it, but this is really something um, that can't be taken lightly, especially for 15 to 16-year-olds. 16, 16 I mean, they're so impressionable at that stage, yeah. you know? I mean, she just thinks so lightly of it, which is really sad mm -hmm. that she's been so desensitized. Yeah, she's um, like, oh, this is a job um, like any other. <laughs> oh, honey. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. And for anybody out there, it's so much more empowering to be treated as with dignity and respect. No matter if you're, I mean, man or what, man and woman, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but for young girls out there, I think, you know, we want to be like, they always say, what is it? Less is more, but really, not really. <laughs> with this, it you know? depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes more is more. Yeah, really. really. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So, um, any any closing thoughts on this? I mean, not really. I just I already came out screaming with my hot take, which is banned porn. That's it. That's, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> All right. So, from heavy topic to heavy topic. <laughs> Um, so story time, yes. we, we, we didn't realize that we were going to get so heavy into this, so, um, 
Hannah, would you intro this as well? Yeah. So we obviously, with the rest of you, found out about the multipropria with the rest of the world, uh, Pope Francis's Traditionis Custodis, which means uh, guardians of tradition kind of ironic considering what the contents but yeah uh so that's that's what happened we're kind of we're kind of breaking it down we actually ha will have a link to the official the entire the entire declaration in its in its original form in its original translation we also have a link in the show notes to bishop's reaction reactions to the motoproprio because there are varying reactions across regions and across bishops now that's not a um, that's not a comprehensive article but it definitely could help you start with some of the research on this the effects of this so Mary, why don't you start with why you started going to Latin Mass first, and I can do that as well before we start diving into this right. whole thing. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, I'm actually like a super, a super recent, I guess, convert to Latin <laughs> Mass. Um, I was raised in the Nova Sordo, um, and... Uh, you know, as we're talking, I guess we always like to s define our terms, and I, I think we like to say that the, the Eucharist is still made, I mean, as long as the words of, in the words of institution are said in the Novus Ordo, the Eucharist is made present. Yes. Correct. That's, that's yeah. the... Novus Ordo Mass is valid and licit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I had come to a point, you know, it just grasping with the faith and growing in it, um, and yeah, it was within like, I think the fall, I kind of got to a point where I was just attending the mass and not understanding. It was just like, okay, this is stuff that I've been praying, I mean, for 20 some years. And where, where did this stuff come from? I mean, I, you know, where in the wisdom of the church was this? Um, yeah, how is this all put together? And just really trying to wanting uh, wanting to understand the mass more. Um, and then I think in December I had <laughs> I had uh, slept in, and that we have our, our Latin mass is the one o'clock. So I was like, just ended up being at the mass, and um, from there it's just been. Um, I was given a book about um, it's the the main, one of the big books out there. It's like understanding the Latin mass. It's Father Michael something or whatnot. I'm forgetting mm -hmm. the name. Um, but yeah, it just totally, <laughs> I didn't know, I, I mean, it just totally like hit me that the mass is the sacrifice of the mass. I, I mean, I went to Catholic private school yeah. and for 13 years and I've been Catholic this long and I didn't understand like really, I mean, they do kind of talk, oh, well, you know, Jesus is being sacrificed, but like that's the focal point is the sacrifice of the mass. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think the Latin mass has, um, I mean, it's been a deeper conversion for me and just really I'm, like bowing and growing in the faith. Um, and then I think just kind of like um, why, why I love and why I've stayed um, is just because I love the silence. I think it's just the reverence. Um, and, I, you know, I, I went to Franciscan and that was really beautiful and that really taught me the reverence for the Eucharist and for the Mass. And so when I came back, I was looking for a parish that had that kind of same kind of love for the Catholic faith. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've been a parishioner at this place for the last, like, four or five years since I've been back. And I could just sense that there was a reference, and I wasn't really attending the Latin Mass, but now, like, looking back, it was because our pastor values the Eucharist, and so he, of course, would want to have the Latin Mass be there mm -hmm. and be said. Um, yeah, so it just, it really shows us something. Um, the silence is just, God is right there in the silence. And I, um, I think the way that the Mass prepares you I've never, never been so, like, fully, like, body, mind, and spirit ready to receive Jesus. Like, I remember, like, when I first started attending and going and understanding of what was going on, I would be like, oh, I'm actually excited to go up and receive Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the biggest thing here. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a beautiful way to pray the Mass or just to, um, I mean, we're all about worshiping God. And I think it can be frustrating for a lot of people. They're like, well, the priest's back is towards us, and you can. Uh, there's only certain parts of the mass that you can really hear. It's in Latin, um, and one Latin is the language of exorcisms, 
Um, so that has a lot of power in itself. I think you know you guys say more. Um, well, there's also the you know it's it's an ancient ancient language, so it has not been changed. So it is the the the, the mass that has been prayed by the saints. Um, as many saints, <laughs> we know for sure. Mm -hmm. um, what were the other three things that I said? <laughs> um, Latin. Well, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's because it's the traditional language of the church. It's actually the official language yeah. of the Holy See. I, I just lost my, I lost my train of thought. No. It's okay. And it's long <laughs> and it's a late day. I can launch um, into my story time. And see I know, you but I want to, um, yeah, if I, if I get it back. But yeah, I think, um, the Latin, gosh, oh, the, 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 the priest turning his back. I think, the last thing, I kind of got it back a little bit, um, it's not, I mean, the, the Mass is not about us. Not about us. I mean, it is for us. I mean, Jesus, you know, before he died, he was like, he, he, he loved us so much that he wanted to leave a bit of us with, bit of him with us. And so that's what it is. Um, but it's a sacrifice of Jesus back towards God. And so I think, I think the silence and the priest, like, turning towards God is really, a, it's, just, it's, it's, on and it, like, um, it, it's so evident what we're about, so evident what we're towards. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I could go on and on and on, but um, yeah, so yeah. So I didn't really start going to the Latin Mass specifically until around like lockdown time. Um, so I had gone a couple of times with some friends from my university, and I thought, oh, this is pretty cool, but it was a, it was a long drive, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll go to some churches around, and I found some reverent churches that I liked and just kept attending there. Sometimes they would have a low mass every once in a while, and I really liked that. Then following lockdowns and everything like that, I just really began to appreciate the reverence of the Latin Mass and the fact that a lot of times the people who were attending Mass with me sort of appreciated the liturgy more often than I had really ever seen and that I found that really awesome. I came from a, a pretty modernist uh, Novus Ordo church with, yeah, what, what I now know looking back there was lots of liturgical abuse, and it continued and still continues, unfortunately, at this church to that day. So I think that attending the Latin Mass has really gave, given me a more, just a greater appreciation of the Eucharist, of the liturgy, of why it was this way for so many years. And I think that attending the Mass of the Saints has just made, made me realize how precious that gift is and just to have it in in the language that it has been for so many years that a language that has not been changed with slang or anything like that that has not evolved but rather it is for the church now that language and i think that's very special so i'll start i guess with my um reaction to the most proprio and then I'll let you go. <laughs> okay. And that can, that can be basically what we will close with our, our call to action as well. But my reaction to the most appropriate was I, I was just pretty, pretty hurt about that decision coming from so high up. And I didn't really understand why the need to suppress it was really steep. I do realize that there's, there's saves and saints are losers but <laughs> what do you mean by saints saints are people who believe that the seat of peter is empty that we don't actually have a pope mm, okay. so they're basically protestant they just like to say that they're catholic mm. um so so yeah they're fun but the majority of latin mass goers goers believe just really appreciate the liturgy they don't necessarily say that vatican ii was invalid or that we don't have a valid pope, et cetera, et cetera. But with this document, it really seemed like those, those stereotypes were just being pushed further by this well. We have to make sure that they 
that they don't deny Vatican II, that they don't deny the seat of Peter. And it's like, well, I mean, if you have a diocesan community, they're probably going <laughs> to say, yeah, we accept Vatican II as a council, and yes, we accept the uh, papal authority. That's not going to be a problem. And yet, we have churches like my home parish who have just been committing liturgical abuse after liturgical abuse, and there's no reprimand for those parishes, for those groups, and for people saying they're Catholic and just repeatedly denying Catholic teaching. And there's no, there's no movement, there was no multiple released for the true presence of the Eucharist, which a Pew Research study said that 30% of Novus Ordo Catholics believe in the true presence. That's it. And and other and other seg other studies have so shown this, and there's actually a big gap between Novus Ordo and traditional mass attendees, whether they take positions in certain doctrines of the church that you cannot deny. You cannot be a part of the Catholic Church to to deny these things, and yet this is what the Pope decides to crack down on is not is not the rampant issues with sexual abuses, with teaching heresy or going into material or immaterial heresy or material formal heresy, but the celebration of the Latin Mass and that was where I was pretty upset and I was questioning the motive of it, which was to obtain unity. And I was like, how is, how is that going to be achieved? That was my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So Mary, what were your thoughts? Um, it kind of was a, um, uh, it was, it's almost like COVID all over again. It was kind of like, um, as you know, talking about this daughter identity, it's, um, feeling kind of betrayed, you know, back with COVID, it was, you know, going to mass my whole entire life. And then all of a sudden it being taken away at first, you're like, okay, well, I don't understand this COVID thing. And then they took it away at a second time. And you're like, wait, you're not fighting harder for us to be able to attend mass. I, you know, it just, it's kind of like mothers, like they, they love their children so much. So, so they'll do anything to protect them and provide for them and at fathers as well. Um, but it just, it just felt like there was just, yeah, it was just like, what, what? No, you know, no mass for like a long time. It was just no mass for, um, the Holy Triduum, you know, mm -hmm. that was just, I love the Holy Triduum. So just to go without, um, no, I, I mean, obviously there's been, I, I mean, ever since we've been back at mass, it's just such a renewal of love for that and for the Eucharist. So there was, um, fruit born out of that. Um, but you know, that, would that have not have to happen? Um, so you know, and I feel like just being such a new convert to the Latin Mass, I feel like it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's just such a new thing and new love, and then it's kind of like being slapped to be like, no, no, and you're like, what? <laughs> what? And I will say, you know, um, Hannah had found out about this, and I was busy all day, and she had sent it out, I was kind of like, okay, and then I looked into it, and I was, um, I... Yeah. I got hot real fast. <laughs> I got hot real fast, and I think it was just being so... It just, it just seemed very, um, if you're trying to, you know, I was trying to think about it from like, you know, a, a mother's perspective, if, um, if you're trying to create unity amongst your children, you know, if they're fighting, if they're, if they're, if there's, you know, needing for healing, it's not like, I'm obviously like you want to separate your children and bring them back together, but you don't just reprimand the one because obviously like it's two to tango, like there's, you know, there's obviously like, um, errors on both sides, um, and each side can be better, but you don't just... It's totally like, you know, um, and obviously they're doing in the name of, you know, the Radtras and whatnot. And, um, I think, you know, it's kind of, I always remember being, you know, when you have that one sibling ruins the rest of, you know, the, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. you know, makes everyone else suffer. But, um, obviously I think that there's a lot more history beyond, behind it. And, um, yeah, it's just... This is our Holy Father. This is our Pope. Um, and we're supposed to, you know, we were, I was raised to respect authority. 
um, and you know, I guess in a way I still do, but I still, I think as a daughter of the church, I say, why, you know, um, and really praying for his conversion, Mm -hmm. um, and for God to really intervene because, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm new, but I feel like there's so many people that are so like, this is ingrained in who they are and they're really hurt. Um, and I actually like, um, was listening (laughs) to Taylor Marshall and he was talking about, there was a report of a priest that was just, you know, there, I mean, we're blessed that we're in a diocese that, um, I guess we can talk more about some of the, what, what's going on, but, um, basically some of the, some of the bishops are more, um, supportive of the Latin mass than others. Um, and so we happen to be in diocese that we, you know, God, God willing, will be able to continue to pray it. And, but there are some that have already been like, I mean, there's already been masses that, and parishes that have been closed, mm-hmm. um, due to this, this move. And, uh, there was a, a pastor and a priest that he could barely make it through the mass because he was just like, we can't, you know, this is our last mass. And he just was just hands tied, you know, it's just so sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, a priest crying, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, I just, you know, but also it's trying to fight to not be, um, not be that angry and resentful person that they want us to be, you know, it's, it's still being charitable and still being like, well, obviously, you know, there's a lack of understanding of the presence of the Eucharist and what's really going on at the mass and this tradition that has lasted for thousands of years. Um, and it's really just trying to live the love of Christ in our daily lives, um, being in the sacraments, praying for the Pope and just trying to, you know, um, I think a lot of people are, the Latin mass is growing now because people are like, oh, wait, there's, there's this thing. Um, and so uh, really, it's a treasure that we have. It's a gift. I was, I was talking with my boyfriend. I was like, I kind of feel like an imposter because I kind of just came in. And, but it's like, no, this has been made for all of us. It's available for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I guess, really quickly, Hannah, would you just kind of go um, down some of the main, like the, just the, I think there's just kind of like a couple of things that are really like show that, I mean, if you read the whole Mosher Propio, there's nothing in there that, I mean, if you're talking about unity, I, I, I don't, I mean, if someone could explain it to me, I don't see it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we didn't read the, in between the lines well enough. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the biggest things were now the control is in the bishop's hands. Yeah. Um, so if the bishop wants to sus- suppress the Latin Mass, they can. There are instances of bishops suppressing it and saying there will be no more Latin Masses in this diocese. There are also cases of bishops going completely the other way and saying, yeah, just continue celebrating it how, however you were. Like, this isn't going to affect you at all. And there are others that are, like, in the middle ground where they designated some parishes where, okay, the Latin Mass is going to be said here. Uh, I specifically took issue with it saying there's there will be no new groups saying the latin mass and i think that's really it's really odd it seems designed to suppress and make sure that the community doesn't grow any further mm-hmm. but it was already it was already kind of being suppressed with with the masses shutting down with all of this chaos and it's just continued to grow so i think that this won't necessarily hurt it unless, I mean, but now the bishops are allowed to hurt the saying of the Latin Mass, and that's what I'm most worried about, is it's giving them that ability to cut it off from the people, and bishops have shown their true colors and said, nope, I don't want you to have access to this anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty sad. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think a lot of people um, that uh, are in attendance to the, um, to the Novus Ordo, you know, I think you think like, oh, I mean, the Pope is all about unity, but I mean, uh, please, like, don't just take it for granted. Please, like, read into it and really, you know, um, really see. And, you know, I think, um, and it's not like we're saying the Latin Mass is the only true Mass. Like, you know, that's that's not, I mean, we already established that the Novus Ordo is a valid Mass, um, but it really preserves the traditions. And I think, um, how is it unifying that you're saying that there's no new groups, it can't be said in parishes. Um, now, young seminarians, I, I know one of my family, one of my friends, her brother is supposed to, you know, um, 
yeah, anyways, seminarians now have to get approval from not only the bishop, but now the pope, go all the way to Rome. Um, I mean, how is that not a slap in the face? How is that not a suppression? Um, you know, and again, um, I think I think my heart just hurts because yes, there is need for unity, there is, but I, I don't think this is the, the way. And I mean, I kind of hot take. I think you know, I think a lot of Orthodox Catholics will start to be like, hey, what is this Latin Mass? And you know, you don't have to come to the Latin Mass to support it. Um, but you know, I think I think we're gonna get unity not in the way that Pope Francis was planning for. Mm-hmm. All due respect, you know, to his people authority. Um, but, um, yeah, um, I don't know, Hannah, would you just leave with the closing thought on this? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of surveys. It's actually, there's a huge disparity between the uh, typical Latin mass goer and the typical Novus Ordo goer as, as to whether they adhere to certain uh, precepts of the church, and we actually have that link in the show notes. But if you are one of those people who attends the Novus Ordo, who really adheres to all the doctrines and the teachings of the Catholic Church, really knows what they're doing and has been, you know, and sometimes people have not been property, properly catechized and it's not their fault. And But even if you are looking into things and saying, no, yes, I really do agree with all this stuff. I'm against contraception. I'm against abortion. I'm against all of these things. And I support that you need to go to Mass on Sundays and confession every year. These precepts that we have have to follow to really remain in good standing as a Catholic, if you are one of those people, the traditional Catholics, people who love the Latin Mass, are the least of your concerns. Your concern should be the modernists infiltrating the church, whether that's through the diocese, through the parish, through parishioners, through uh, people hired at a Catholic school who aren't Catholic and kind of sort of fly under the radar but then keep their keep their position just so they can influence children in a way that they shouldn't be influenced so if you care about catechesis if you care about reverence if you believe that the eucharist is truly the body blood soul and divinity of our lord jesus christ if you care about the truth you have to stand for it and the the higher ups some of them are really going to leave us high and dry but you have to stand for the good the true and the beautiful and you can't let them get to you because what they want is for you to either get angry and lash out and maybe join (laughs) maybe go full orthodox or maybe join some crazy sage church don't do that that's what they want they want to get you out what we want to do is we want to band together we want to get all of the traditional catholics in in mind not even in their preferred liturgy but just the ones that truly adhere to the natural law and the truth that is the church and the faith so whether or not the higher-ups are going to support us we have to band together ourselves because the lay people really are the church and that's my closing thought for you As always, we're going to close with our St. Catherine of Siena quote. We've had enough exhortations to be silent. Cry out with a thousand tongues. I see the world is rotten because of silence. God bless you, and we will see you next Thursday. Bye, y'all. Know you're all loved. Thanks for listening to Caritas Christi. If you'd like to write to us with hot takes, feedback, advice or advice requests, we would love to hear from you. Email us at caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. That's caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Thursday.